As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm Sam Kahn, senior college football writer at The Athletic, also known as The Textbird, joined, as always, by my great friend Max Olson, our national college football writer and expert on the transfer portal, realignment, stop rate. And I'm sure at this time of year, Max, you are probably an expert on Halloween candy. How are you today? (laughs) <laughs> uh i'm good man i'm good um it's gonna be I, I i this is my bye week um i don't know if we talked about this um i will not be doing saturday takeaways this weekend i will not be covering college football this weekend i have to go to a bachelor party in nashville whoa here we go with the fall weddings poor what me going on <laughs> i know yeah i know it's uh, end of End of October here. Uh, it's getting hot and heavy, but uh, we're taking a, we're taking a weekend off, so that I'm I'm looking forward to. That's awesome. Good. For where you, you, where man, are you I'm, going? Are you home or are you uh, hitting a game? I am home. Uh, I went to Stillwater last week for Texas Oklahoma. Oh no, I stand corrected. I am not home. I am going to Texas A and M Ole Miss. So okay, uh, things are things are interesting in Aggieland right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they mm-hmm. haven't been at a home game in Kyle Field for six weeks. September seventeenth against Miami was the last time uh, they were at home. Oh, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot has changed since then. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so I will be going to Aggieland on Saturday to check in and see what exactly is going on with this Texas A and M team. So I'm, so I'm looking forward to getting into that in this podcast. We will. Yeah, we will. We will get there. We we will discuss it ad nauseum uh, because there's a lot to to parse through there, and I wrote I wrote a column today on theathletic.com about Texas A&M and their offense, in particular freshman quarterback Connor Wigman. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But like I said, it's Halloween uh, almost. We're we're a few days away. Uh, I think by the time they, we record next week, Halloween will have come and gone. And let it, it, you know, candy. Like I said, the candy's out. You know, my wife had bought a bag of candy. The other day, I was it would took everything on my power not to open it because I know it wasn't. For did me. y'all get for, like the Costco bag? Did you get something at Target? What'd you go with? It was I think it was like one of those Target big bags with the mixed fun size chocolate stuff, which mm-hmm. that's that's always the go to for me. Um, I'm a big go. I'm a big fun size Kit Kat, Baby Ruth, Snickers. You know that's 
That's we jam. we stand along. We spent a long time in that um, aisle, standing there, staring at all the mixed bags, trying to pick out the perfect one. So, what what is the mixed bag got to have for you? It's got to have Kit Kat. Kit Kat is a must. Yeah, I think if, as long as you have that, then everything else will figure itself out. Doesn't matter to you. You can't. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you you got the chocolate. Because if you got Kit Kat in there, you got chocolate in there, and chocolate's my thing. I'm not a huge like I'm not a candy corn guy. That's right. It's not awful as everybody says it is, but it's not. After a couple of bites of that, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I, I I've moved on. Uh, I'm not a hater, one, but I I my wife is, and I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll maybe have like a tiny bit once a year, and that's about it. I yeah, don't need much. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know okay. It's kind of a novelty, and then you have it, and you move on. Uh, yeah. The the what the one thing is is that I'm sure like you at this time of year I only eat uh, certain there's certain candies that I only eat this time of year, like because mm-hmm. you only you only get them this time of year. Like Laffy Taffy, I'd never ever see or get until this time of year. <laughs> and my kid gets it in La- my kid gets it Laffy in his Taffy's bag. Not on the grocery list each week. In our it's house, not. So. <laughs> it is not. So, but but then inevitably my kid comes home with it, and then I'm in his little bag and sneaking in at you know. Ten o'clock at night when everyone's gone to sleep and grabbing laffy taffy, but, but not for the banana candy one. Bag. Hopefully, the banana one's gross. I like the strawberry one. The strawberry yeah. one's good. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, but yeah. So we're at that. But we're gonna do some uh, some predictions in in the style of trick or treat. Uh, we we will Max and I will give you some predictions for the rest of this season. Focus mostly on the on the Big Twelve teams. And Max, why don't you why don't you start us off? Bold predictions for the rest of the season. What do you have to start us off in trick or treat? Okay, let's start with trick. And this is not necessarily a hot take. It's more of a conversation with you. Okay. Do we think TCU will still be undefeated in a few weeks? Do we think they'll be nine and zero going down to Austin? They have to play West Virginia. They have to go to Morgantown. And they had to play Texas Tech before that game in Austin, which you know will be a big deal. Sonny Dykes against uh, uh, Sark and and with the help of Gary Patterson. Lots of storylines there. Um, Do we think TCU will trip up and this this run will have a stumble in the next two weeks here, West Virginia and Texas Tech? Boy, if they're going to, this is a really ripe time for it to happen because – Everyone knows you go to Morgantown for a road game, that's tough. It always tough. Baylor learned that. Baylor has has learned that ever since they've been in the conference. They haven't won there at all. And then, of course, a few weeks ago they went over there and lost mm-hmm. um, in overtime. Texas TCU, Tech. TCU also, I, I should point out, the way their schedule set up this year, they had a week three bye, and that's mm-hmm. it. So they've had from SMU on. There's there's no, it's it's, it's all gas, no breaks. There's no breaks in this schedule here, um, and they sure they're on an awesome run that. here. They're on an awesome run. I'm just wondering, you know, and they, and because they've started this way, they do obviously have you know a mulligan here in this uh, this Big Twelve race. They can lose one, and it's not gonna, you know, it takes you out of the playoff conversation. It doesn't take you. It doesn't even really take you out of the playoff conversation, but. Uh, you, you, you lose a little bit of ground, but they can afford to lose a game here. So do you think either going to West Virginia is kind of a trap that maybe maybe they take a little bit lightly, or are the Red Raiders pretty hot coming to Fort Worth next weekend? 
That that's that's the one. I think West Virginia is tough on the road, but I think TCU can take care of that. But it's that Texas Tech game on the fifth, okay. on November fifth, that really really bugs me. If you're TCU, because there's also there's also going to be a lot of build up to that. I'm sure everyone remembers the little kerfuffle they had on social media earlier this year with. Brian Carrington, the TCU uh, rec- analyst and recruiting uh, director, mm-hmm. calling it a desert, saying you can't build a brand in the desert, and then all of a sudden, Joey McGuire and everybody in Texas Tech land posting cactuses, mm-hmm. cacti. I should say. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> yep. Cacti. Yeah, on the, ca- their the cactus handles. craze was was wild there for a minute. Yeah, and, and then you've got the you know Jeremiah Donati and and TCU the. I think they were not selling single game tickets for this one, so it made it that you had to buy as part of a multi game package. So it made it a little bit harder for Texas Tech fans to acquire yep. tickets for this. There, and there's some Red Raiders out in DFW who are going to come. Absolutely, to yeah. Sure. That's that's their the biggest alumni base outside of Lubbock is is in DFW for Texas Tech. So, and and these are two good teams. Like Texas Tech is kind of on the rise right now. Uh, Baron Morton's played really really well as of late. So that's the one that I. I probably would be more concerned about for TCU. Yeah. Uh, but and, and this is not me saying I'm not questioning like the legitimacy of TCU. It's just that in the nature of this this conference race here in this conference run, at some point there's going to be some game you just you end up losing on a field goal at the end or something like that. You know, I, I, I'm not saying someone's going to sneak up on them and blow them out by any means, but they've played a bunch of close games in Big Twelve play. I think probably if uh, if K State hadn't had so many injuries on Saturday, that game would have been a lot closer uh, in Fort Worth. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering. I'm just wondering wh- where is the trap here, and is there is there a is there a trick coming up here for for TCU? I think so. I do. Uh, whether it's one of those two, or whether it, it could even be on the road at Texas, which the, the whole November schedule is pretty intriguing though for them. It it is because. You've got three of the next four on the road. And like you said, and the thing to me, I think more than the opponents that intrigues me about this is what you said earlier is that they don't have an off week coming up. Mm-hmm. And that, that this is where that mental and physical grind really wears on, on a team. Yeah. Uh, having that early buy. And that's the thing that. And, and look, we literally just saw it with K State against them. You, you could just have one of those games where randomly six guys are out during the game, and then you're like, whoa, how do we survive this game? And, and you don't get that extra week to get them healed up. Right. You know, you, Texas yeah. is getting yeah. that right now. Te- Texas just came out of their Oklahoma State loss, and they're off this weekend. Uh, we'll see some of this change in the future, I think, if, if we end up getting two week zero games more often and two off weeks for teams in the season, which you know, which I think would be good if we get there nationally. But, but this is the hand they're dealt. So that brings me to my treat. Let's do it. I do think they. I do think they will slip up. I do think they will slip up. But I think they'll they'll lose one game and that'll be it. And I'm going to say TCU will finish 12 and one, and they will make the college football playoff. <laughs> All right. I like we're we're raising the you're 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 setting the the bar for boldness pretty high here to start off. I love it. Yeah, because I just I'll just say this because they've gone through this tough part of their schedule, and, and granted. I understand that they've had some circumstances in their favor with the injuries at quarterback for some of these other teams. There's no doubt about that. And But this is going to take, and this is also going to have to buck a trend for Sonny Dykes, who 
in his coaching career hasn't had teams play very well in November, particularly at SMU in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So he's got to buck that trend. But I think once that, if they do slip up in these last five weeks, the the pressure and all that of of that loss and and you know coming down from okay we're we're not unbeaten anymore. I think they'll be able to reset. And I just think there's enough veterans on the team. Remember, this is a TCU team that last year going into the season we thought was a dark horse Big Twelve title contender. This is the same team that, that with a few, okay they lost a few guys. They lost O'Shawn Mathis and Zach Evans and a couple others, but yeah. By and large, this is from an offensive standpoint. This is largely the same team. Defensively, they're doing some things differently, but there's talent there, man. They're third in the in the Big Twelve uh, team talent composite behind Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, this is a legitimately really good team. They they you know the previous regime you know give for for all the failures that Gary Patterson had in his last few years there, they did recruit well, and th- this staff has unlocked that that team with. And you see it with them offensively. Look how quickly they turn that game. And I understand Adrian Martinez and the quarterback injuries factored into that. But look how quickly they turned it. Once what was they it, got twenty eight ten or something like that. Twenty eight ten. This is fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and they and they reel off they reel off twenty eight the rest of the way unanswered. Yeah. And they did the same thing against Oklahoma State. They were down fourteen in the second half, and and they were down seventeen in the second quarter, and able to able to get it going because. They just got too many weapons from from Duggan to Quentin Johnston to Kendry Miller to Darius Davis. They've just got too many dudes, and I think it's really really hard to keep all those guys shut down. So I think once they do have that hiccup, I think they'll they'll go twelve and one. Now the big question is, and I'm gonna throw this to you, TCU fans based on their 2014 experience would li- would like to just run yeah. the table and not leave this in the hands yeah. of the playoff selection committee does a 12 and 1 TCU team get in uh, that's what I'm, I was going to say Sam as you're pitching this I'm like hey I, I I agree with you on the merits of the team for sure um, but this is where you have to kick into like cynical playoff brain here a little bit and just go <laughs> by just you should go by precedent here and look at the landscape right now and you have to say like Okay, if TCU gets going twelve and one, like the loss probably needs to be Texas, right? Like it needs to be the best possible team left on the schedule. Um, you need to beat a pretty, you know, probably top fifteen team in the Big Twelve title game, which probably will be the case in terms of who you know the, the way the one two works out in the conference. Um, but you need to they, they need to be like undeniably great in all those other games. Basically, right, and 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 that is not fair. I'm like I'm not like I'm not on the committee, right? Like I'm 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 just bullshitting on based on what we've seen and 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 the way this is setting up right now. But they need to be, um, like really uh like unimpeachably good because we are going to have a problem at the end of November, I think. Where how does TCU finish ahead of one loss Tennessee? Or mm-hmm. one loss Alabama. Well, I shouldn't say that because um, Alabama should. Well, what? Let's say one loss Michigan, right? I mean, there's just a bunch of teams here that, yeah. I mean, there's three SEC teams. There's two Big Ten teams, obviously. Um, I mean, Clemson, Clemson. Like you could have a one loss Clemson that won the ACC. You know what I mean? Like potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of people. There's a lot of teams that are going to be fighting in that conversation, the way things are setting up right now. Yeah, and and, and that's the hard thing. And 
you're going to go. I mean, back maybe to the even fact. one loss Oregon, who's one losses to Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, right. I'm not saying that I don't think that's going to happen, but it's like that's where you get into like, and it, it, again, it's like not fair to ask this of a year one staff and team, but man, you're, you've got to be an extremely good twelve and one to get over on these other teams. The way this is setting up, where like if Georgia beats Tennessee and Georgia goes to the SEC title game, like how do they leave Tennessee out? You know, right? Like, it, now, like they're going to have a hard time doing that. Even if Tennessee doesn't have a conference championship, they're going to have a hard time leaving out Tennessee, who beat Bama over uh, over a TCU team that, that won the Big Twelve. And th- th- now, this is just me BSing. Like, we, you know, we've got a long road ahead here, still in November, but it's going to be interesting to see where if if TCU gets through this weekend, where the committee puts them. And I and I think probably it's going to be a little bit uphill um, compared to the other undefeated and and uh, and even an Alabama or maybe another one loss team. Which I think is a little unfair, quite, yeah, quite for frankly. Sure. But yeah. but that's the way it's going to be. And, it, and that and look just, to me, that still is about the helmets and the jerseys too, a little bit, right? Because if it was Texas and Oklahoma at seven and zero right now, with that same schedule ahead and the same schedule, if it was Oklahoma asked, with Brent Venables doing it, where would they be? Ranked we wouldn't right? have this. Yeah, top five, and sure. we would not be having this conversation. They would be a shoe in at twelve and one. I agree. Which is why I think I think TCU should be shown. And I, the reason also I think we're having this debate is because let's look at last year where Oklahoma State was 11-1 going into the championship game at number five. And if they win, if they get those extra couple inches and beat Baylor and they're 12-1, and one, there's no guarantee they get in over Cincinnati. There was, sure. was going to be a healthy debate about it, but there was no guarantees they get in. And mm-hmm. that's the situation that I think TCU fans want to avoid if we get – Right. About. Yeah. Right. 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 We're not talking about them over Ohio State. <laughs> We're not talking point. about you know one lost Georgia here. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and that's no offense to Cincinnati because no, they, they totally deserve to go. But that is the battle that you're fighting as a Big Twelve team for whatever reason. If you're not Texas or Oklahoma, and so that's so. And like I said, TCU fans with their personal experience based on 2014 would rather not be in that position. But. That'll be interesting to watch, and of, of course, the TCU fans would I think would just love to have that dilemma because we're talking about a program that hasn't won more than seven games in the last four years. So yeah, uh, yeah. so the fact that they're we're even having this conversation on October twenty seventh is a testament to how far. Yeah, you come. can't but, say like, man, that top ten finish was really disappointing, you know, for to start off this this tenure based so, on where we've been. <laughs> so be- before we move on, let's let, I want to hone in on that point right now. What would be with this seven and zero start, what would be the minimum acceptable record now? If you're a TCU fan, do you need to finish ten and two at this point, or are you okay with nine and three? Even if you know, which nine and three obviously means you're going two and three down the stretch here. What what is an acceptable finish to you as a TCU fan, given where you have been as a program, where you're going as a program, and the the hot start that you've had? Yeah, I think I think like nine and three would be a bummer, wouldn't it? I agree. I agree. I think a ten and two season, even if, even because we're not, we're also not talking about them having Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and um, you know, like they're tough, like K State, like they're the like the toughest games at the end of November here either. Mm-hmm. If you just look at the schedule, yeah. like that, that part of it, part of it is just what's ahead of them here. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but um, a lot of the really tough games are behind them at this point. So yeah, I think, I think you, you got to, I will say this. I, I'll even, if take you're, if you're, record. if you're a TCU fan right now, you're, you're feeling like Iowa state, West Virginia, Texas tech are, are wins. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll take it this even beyond record. I think you got to get in the big 12 championship game. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. get there. I think then you're feeling good. 
going into next year. So speaking of those helmets, let's I'll move on to my trick. All right, trick. And it's one, it's one of those big helmets. It's Texas. And I'm going to say Texas is going to finish 8 and 4. Mm-hmm. Which was what about we predicted or certainly what I predicted starting and coming into the season. I thought this was an 8 and 4 team, but a lot of those expectations for us changed after we saw what Quinn Ewers did against Alabama before he got hurt, uh, how close that game was. And even after the Texas Tech loss in week four, I was still on board of this team could be in the Big 12 championship mix. Those hopes took a big, 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 uh, a big hit Saturday at Oklahoma State. I was there, and that was a game that they should have won. They were ahead by 10 points in the third quarter and against a banged-up Oklahoma State team that was strapping it together with, you know, tape and, you know, string. Mm-hmm. But I do think you look at the schedule now, you got at K-State coming out of the off week, TCU at home, at Kansas, and then Baylor. I think they can go three and one. I wouldn't be shocked if they went two and two, but but I think this is this ends up being an eight and four team at the end of the day, which I think is going to be a disappointment for some Texas fans given where the season was going. But I still think it's acceptable progress for the, the, the funny thing team. is you're saying Texas will go eight and four as if that's like a disappointing thing, but you're basically saying you think they're going to finish with winning three of their last four. Yes, it's basically yeah, a compliment. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's it's still that's kind of an optimistic take on on the way that this is going to finish for them. A little bit, but I mean, I I look With at those two last two games. Left? Yeah, and Kansas State obviously we'll have to see how the how the health situation Probably, shakes yeah. up. But they they've got they've got a track record of of success against Kansas State. So sure, granted, Adrian Martinez wasn't there at the time, but the, the, so the what's funny to me, Sam, is you say when you said Texas will finish eight and four. The, the first thing I thought was. That's what I thought in July. Right. And and the the thing that this is like this is just kind of indicative of how college football is week to week, right? Like it's it, it's kind of funny and I'm not saying saying this to spin the the, the Oklahoma State loss um, cuz obviously they, you know, demonstrated some problems in that game, but um like they're going to probably end up right where they probably should be for year 2 under Sark, but the it's always like people you never really kind of feel that in the moment. It's always like this game's a disaster, even though this is one of our <laughs> yes. four losses and we expected one of four losses. How could you, you know, how could you blow this? You know, it's like that's yeah, it's always like it's it's hard to step back and be like, you know, this is okay because this is this makes sense. Uh, because what we were watching last weekend and you were there. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense for Quinn Ewers to have 30 incompletions, um, which I'm counting interceptions and incompletions there, um, and for Texas to to lose the the penalty margin 14 to zero, which I sure as hell never seen in a game. Um, I'm sure you've never seen that, right? No, never, never. Uh, and once fairness, again in that oh. game, like they went, um, I I looked it up because it, it felt like it, and and it looked like it in the fourth quarter. I mean, they kind of did the same thing Texas Tech did. That game went 98 plays in regulation, man. Yeah. And Texas Tech went 99 plays against their defense. They're averaging 68 plays on defense the rest of the season. Like, I think you saw Texas just straight up got worn out in that fourth quarter with some of the tackles that Oklahoma State slipped and, and obviously the miscues that they had. And, and that's just, 
I mean, most teams probably would be, you know, not at their best uh, in, in a game that goes that long. That was a super long game. And it was a, a great statement by Oklahoma State and just what they've built and the culture they have. Um, but it would be interesting to see how many more times that happens to Texas. But, like, they're probably right where they should be, um, even though it's – it's uh, it always every single one of those losses feels devastating to a Texas fan, even if, <laughs> you know, you, you can't really, like, say, like, oh, I'm surprised that Quinn Ewers looks inexperienced. Like, no, of course he's inexperienced. That, that's what it looks like. His, that's what it's going to be sometimes. It's just going to be inconsistent. That was his fifth start. His yeah. fifth career collegiate start. I mean, it's going to happen, you know, and the, it was 25 mile an hour wins. And not to make an excuse, I mean, Spencer Sanders played in the same wins, but again, it's his fifth start. It's uh, Spencer Sanders probably started more than 30 games at this point. Oh, and as, uh, I've, as I've pointed out before, I mean, I think, um, I think these last two games were the first games where Quinn Ewers had to like play through the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, you brought that up because he didn't have to against Oklahoma. Because he didn't have to against Oklahoma, West Virginia. And, and he was Louisiana out for Monroe, Texas Tech. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So Oh, I'm sorry, so he didn't play was, West Virginia. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he didn't play he didn't play against West Virginia, Texas Tech, but Louisiana Monroe, he didn't have to play fourth quarter. Alabama yeah. got knocked out. So and then this Oklahoma, is just, it's new. He didn't have to. You know? Oklahoma yeah. State's not a fun place to play. Uh obviously. By the way, how fun was that environment in Stillwater? Yeah, that was that was fantastic. What I, I get a, it. A man. big I game in Stillwater is really legit in terms of it, day or night. It really is, and the only unfortunate thing is really no sideline access for for the riders because I think Definitely in part because not. of the space. Yeah, because of how close the the stands are to that sideline, there's just very very little walking room. But it was wild. It was a great experience uh, to watch a game there. And taking a game of that caliber there, and it's just man, those fans, those fans get it done, and and they got there, and they get there early. They were out there tailgating early, uh, all over the place, and you could just feel the energy coming into the building. Uh, I, I can see why they they win games at home, and why it's hard to win there if you're a team that's coming in, because oh. they they really got it, they've really got it done. But uh, yeah, Texas is. I think the biggest concern is the way you lost. It's not that you lost. It's that you lost in the same fashion you lost Texas Tech. It's You lost in a very similar fashion that you lost three games last season. It seems to be a trend that you can't close games. And so they've got to figure that one out. And they're also mm-hmm. now 1-6 on the road uh, in the Sark era. So they've got to fix those two things. So the Kansas State game coming out is going to be huge coming out of the off week. But you mm-hmm. have a Texas-related treat. What do you have for us, Max? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Treat, let's talk Heisman. Um, 
I think I think Max Duggan will stay in the Heisman race the rest of the way. But I also think that Bijan Robinson has a chance to make it to New York. Wow. What do you think? So what do they have to be for him to make it there? Do they need to go nine and three? Do they win out and go nine and three for him to make it? I don't I'm not necessarily well, that's a good point. I don't know if they have to win out. Oh jeez. You're already making me question this. Why are you why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> you asked I, one I question agree. and my whole my whole case fell apart here. Okay, I so agree he's one of the best players in the country without question. There's right, no doubt about it to me. Right now he But is, but the record's gonna play into that with the voters. Whether it should or shouldn't is another discussion, but it will. So right now he is number one in the country in yards from scrimmage when you combine his rushing and receiving. He's right at twelve hundred uh through eight games. I think that's the that's the piece that I'm kind of hanging this on is the 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 statistical um and just week to week highlight reel kind of case for him is going to continue to be really strong. And obviously it's going to require other people falling out in order for him to I mean like last year god I I remember it was only 3 they got to three or four. They got to go to New York, and I was really annoyed by that. Part of, I mean, they they should invite more people to New York. Period. Should be five every year, in my opinion. It should be five every year for sure. Um, Especially if you have an hour long show. So maybe it would be smarter of me to say I think Bijan can finish top five or top six in the Heisman voting. I think that's, I think that's still possible. That's okay to be bold. I, I'm okay with saying Bijan will get there. Um, but they well, they've got it. I'll they say have top to finish five. Minimum I can say he can yeah. finish top five. They, they they screw things up themselves with how many they actually invite because they didn't even invite Will Anderson last year, which really pissed me off. Um, me too. And and so I yeah I think top five finish just statistically and and you saw the first half against Oklahoma State just unbelievable. Um, didn't didn't get to do as much in the second half, which is which was odd. But I think the way this is setting up, and obviously Roshan Johnson takes a little bit away from him in terms of touches, but um, I think he's got a chance to finish as an All-American and potentially, uh, you know, top five in Heisman. And, I, and, and what do you think? Do you think Duggan stays in the in that conversation too? If they're twelve and top one ten and finish at least, but yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if if they finish in the if they get to the Big Twelve championship game, then I think he's at least in the top ten. Uh, if they win the Big Twelve. He could be top five, also possibly, and I realize I, I that's think so too. Just, yeah, that, that's that's asking a lot because of some, you know, obviously Hendon Hooker's in a good spot, CJ Stroud's right. in a good spot right now. But but if TCU continues to win, it's it's impossible to ignore what Max Duggan has done. And I say that and to there's say that, and there's also like people you can easily get behind the narrative on that one too, for the guy to not be the starter in week one and then go yep. out and have you know the best season by a TCU QB in a long time, no doubt. No doubt, it's it's uh, it's really imp- it's really impressive what he's done. So I think he stays in as long as they keep winning. He stays in it. The, if they do lose a couple of games, then it's going to hurt him for sure. Uh, but but I, I think that I'll, I'll say this before we move on. And I'm thinking about it, I, I I wonder I need I wonder if at one point I need to write this, but I want everyone to appreciate Bijan Robinson these last few weeks because we don't know he hasn't said officially, but I think we all assume he's going to go to the draft. After this year, as he should, uh, I think Dane Brugler is projecting mm-hmm. him at least at this point as a first round pick, which is rare these days for running backs. But that's how good he is. He's, I mean, he's got to be. I think he's like a top ten player in next year's draft. 
I don't know where he'll get drafted, but I think like how, big board, he's he's got to be a top ten kind of. How player. many college football players are legitimately right now better than him? For sure. How is uh, it not? There's not very many. I don't think there's, there's certainly any more than ten. No. But and, and we're and that's different. A different discussion than the draft. But I'm saying all that to say, let's appreciate what we have here with him because he has been for the three seasons, and you only got to see him a little bit in this first season. Thanks, Tom Herman. Um, the the last two seasons for sure, we've gotten to see a really really special back. Like to watch, and I, I get the chance to watch him in person a decent amount. To watch him cut and accelerate is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like even on Saturday, when you know the, Oklahoma State did a good job bottling him up in the second half, but when he gets loose or when you give him a little bit of space in in between the tackles or even outside the tackles, boy, he can turn it up, and he is going to be. Fun to watch when he gets to the next level, but he is a boatload of fun to watch. So I'm going to say, everybody, I, please appreciate B. John Robinson for the rest of the time that we have him here in college football. And I, I uh, you know, the highest compliment I can give him is I pray to God he's on my fantasy team next year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really care where he goes. He's, he's going to be a monster at the next level, I think. Um, okay, funny. another trick here. Oklahoma come storming back and Mm. rips off some wins here and is the one team that can stop Oklahoma state (sighs) on Oklahoma state schedule. No, don't say that's, that's my, that's my boldness. I'm bringing. I, I don't think that like, I'm not naive enough to think that um, the Kansas game plus a bye week equals Oklahoma is fixed. Like I, I, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not making that argument. Um, and certainly we've seen that if anything happens to Dylan Gabriel, then what the, the, the statement I just made is completely invalidated, right? <laughs> if Dylan Gabriel gets a cold, like I, I might be screwed on that prediction. Um, I, but I think that, uh, I, I think that they are setting up to, I think they'll fix some stuff on defense or simplify, or get the right players in there, or you know the laundry list of things they need to do. I think we're gonna we're gonna you should see that stuff in November, right? You should. You can't just be stubborn and not get better. Offensively, if Dylan Gabriel's healthy, capital I, capital F, I think Oklahoma has a chance to uh, put put some wins together here and make this year one look not disastrous, and potentially you know with with Oklahoma State having to come to Norman. I think that can still be a huge game and one that, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to see what the line is on that one, but I think, uh, I think Oklahoma could get hot again. That'd be interesting. So as long as Dylan Gabriel's healthy, I think this is certainly a different team. And that that's, I think the big key to this because obviously, yes, the K state loss was tough, but the TCU game, they started poorly, but w- once you lost Dylan Gabriel, that just kind of turned everything for Oklahoma in the next two weeks. And then, of course, they got blasted at Texas. But if Dylan Gabriel's healthy the rest of the way, you got Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. I don't think I don't think three and two is three and two uh, doable to finish the year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if Dylan Gabriel's healthy. Yeah, I think so. Th- this weekend will be uh, uh, quite telling, I think, because Iowa State is up against it now. Um, they've lost four in a row. They need this one. 
Um, and they're they're coming off uh, a bye. They're getting healthy as well. Um, they really needed to get healthy. We'll talk. We'll touch on them quickly later on. But um, yeah, Iowa State needs this one. So if Oklahoma can can put together a big showing in this game, I think he'd be pretty bullish on how they could finish. If you're going to finish at least three and two, then you got to win this weekend for sure. Yeah, if you're Oklahoma, you do. So that that becomes a big one. The Baylor one. Baylor is one that I'm, and we'll talk about them in a minute. I am just, I do not know what to think of Baylor. So that'll be interesting. At West Virginia, again, we talked about Morgantown. It's really, really hard to win there. But, you know, that team that team is going through it a little bit right now. So, and then Bedlam. I mean, Bedlam is a rivalry game, and you know how that goes. So, uh, but I, I still think, I will say, I still think Oklahoma State wins that game. But if Dylan Gabriel's healthy, it'll make it interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that'll bring me to my treat. My treat, and right, my treat ahead. is Oklahoma State. I say Oklahoma State will beat K State this weekend, and they will make it back to the Big Twelve Championship game. I don't think it's much of a stretch at this point. And if they win this weekend, I think that that's a pretty logical conclusion. <laughs> Sam, but, that's crazy. Where where do you get? No, no, I think that's. I think that, that but, I think that makes sense. But after watching them uh, on yeah, what, what was your what was your feeling like? Obviously, a unique game in a, in a bunch of ways. But what did you think of Oklahoma State watching them live? Yeah, no, I thought I think they're they're a good team, and yeah, they struggled. But gosh, look how many guys they had out. They had a couple key receivers out. They had multiple defensive starters out. Uh, Spencer Sanders, we still don't know how fully healthy he is. Uh, although I would say, I think he probably looks a lot better than he did against TCU. So. As long as he's healthy, I think they're going to be okay. I will tell you this: Jade Nixon needs to get some more carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know after running, dragging a couple Texas defenders twenty yards with his shoe off, like we need to get Jade Nixon the ball a little bit more <laughs> if you're Oklahoma State. <laughs> and there's no offense, Dominic Richardson. Dominic's been great, but but Jaden adds another element for them in the run game, and I think that's the one big thing is they got a bunch of good receivers, they got a good quarterback. They got to get a little bit more consistent in the run game, but I think Nixon could be that guy for them. So uh, that little one-two punch with him and Dominic Richardson would be nice. But boy, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. They they were busting through tackles, uh, him and Dominic both, and then uh, Brandon Presley was busting through tackles. Uh, that was obviously an issue for Texas, but I, I, I did that's go a team back that plays and, hard. and watch this live. Jaden Nixon lost his shoe, and then he gained twenty-eight more yards on the run after losing his shoe. And I our our, our Stat databases are pretty advanced. I don't think they have this one, but I think 28 yards per carry on one shoe is uh, is best in the country. That's got to be. There's no question. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, by by the way, again with with two Texas defenders, you know, hanging on to him for most yeah, of for sure. 28 yards. So that that th- this is a good team, and if they get a little bit healthier here soon. I think they're in good shape, man. Like I said, I, li- I like a lot of the guys they have. I, I'm still I'm a little bit concerned on the back end defensively. Like if mm-hmm. if Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy connect on that that deep touchdown pass near the front pylon, mm-hmm. then we may be having a different conversation, uh, and, and maybe Texas wins that game for sure. But 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 the or, front or seven is Or you could pick good. eleven other targets to Quint to from Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy <laughs> that did not connect. It was just I That's was right. I was baffling to me. How they, yeah, they were six, just off 16, in that game. Sixteen targets and only four catches. Uh, it was a rough day at the office for Quinn. But was it that windy? Think, like there? It was. It was very windy. Okay. Uh, 
But I think some of that too is I think Quinn the Quinn was also hassled that that and I'll I'll go back to the front seven. The front seven did a good job of hitting Quinn Ewers a bunch when he threw the ball. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just Colin Oliver, it was Trace Ford, it was some of these other guys too. Yeah. Uh they didn't have Brock Martin, but that didn't stop him from getting pressure. And you get uh, Basin Cobb, you know, was in the mix there as well. You get you got enough talent on the front seven that you're going to put pressure on on opposing defenses and put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And so with that, and, and as long as a healthy Spencer Sanders is there, man, I, this guy is, seems to me to be having the best season of his career. And I know he had just had a first-team All-Big 12 season last year, but I think this year he's been even better. He can stay consistent and, and in that regard. And these past few weeks, no matter what he's been dealing with, like a lot of people doubting him, and he's been he's been more than good he's enough. De- he's de- in he's delivering, games. man. Yeah. He's delivering. And so, so I think he's going to get him back. To the Big Twelve Championship game, uh, wow. I think, and back to what you said last week at the TCU Oklahoma State rematch, I think it's very possible that, that that's what I would pick at this point. Yeah. So my my last trick. Yeah, let's knock these out just, quick. Give me your last trick. Baylor's going to finish six and six. Mm. So okay. I, I I think this this game against Texas Tech is going to be a tough one uh, on the road at Lubbock. Uh, Baylor's been very up and down this year. Uh, won the Big 12 last year, obviously. I thought – I picked them to be the Big 12 championship. Big 12 champion, as did a lot of others. They were number one in the preseason media poll. But they've just been so up and down this year. And I look at their schedule. They got at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma. Then they finish K-State, TCU, and at Texas. And I just think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to to finish over 500. Uh, with, They're not going to lose setup. all those games, but, man, they could lose a bunch of those games. They could, they could, uh, hmm. and it's just it's just been very That's feast tough. or famine for them this year. Yeah, uh, and and as a result, it, it, given that I, I I'm thinking that Baylor Texas Tech probably beats Baylor this weekend, and so this is more of a treat than a trick. But Texas Tech I think ends up finishing eight and four. I think Tech's going to finish really strong hmm. this year. So uh, I, I think it's going to be that that game is going to think tell us a lot about those two teams and the direction of them, but. I think the momentum, Texas Tech, I, I just feel a positive vibe there right now. And uh, you, Baylor, you are vibing with just, Texas Tech. Going up yes. to, I'm vibing with Texas Tech right now, for sure. And you think it'll be Morton the rest of the way? Or do you think it'll be a, a, a little bit of a carousel here? I mean, I, I think they'll play Tyler Shuck a little bit, possibly. But I can't see how you can pull Baron Morton at this point. Right. To me, that's the dude. Mm-hmm. He is the guy. He is mm-hmm. their future guy. And boy, that offense runs really, really well when he's in there. Yeah, I think he's a perfect fit for Zach Kitley. So uh, he's he's fun to watch. I'm with but. you. Okay, um, I will finish here quickly with. I think Iowa State puts a run together and gets to a bowl game. Um, if they do that, I think I think that the Campbell situation gets pretty interesting. I think Kansas is going to get that sixth win with or without Jalen Daniels. We'll see if he can return later this month. Or uh, I'm sorry, later later in the season here, um, but I think Kansas will get that sixth win, and I think I think it's going to be a rough finish for West Virginia, but I think Neil Brown will return next year. Okay, I think that buyout is just prohibitive. I think it's just big, bu- I, big I think buyout. Yeah, it's just too much. I think, um, and they've got they've got plenty to fix, obviously. Um, and that was I, I mean that was as rough as you can look last week against Texas Tech. Um, I don't think they're necessarily that bad, but um, I think I, I I would predict Neil Brown return. I, I'm sure the fan base is is um, going to have a hard time with that conversation at the end of the year. Uh, but 
I think it probably there's probably some merit to giving him another chance. Their schedule at the end is tough. They got TCU this weekend at Iowa State, Oklahoma, and then they finish K State at Oklahoma State. That was a tough schedule for. That's a tough schedule. That's a tough schedule. I I uh, and that, but it's just a lot of money. Yeah, it's just a lot of money, and I know that money. I know it goes down in January, but as you know, Sam, nowadays, can you really wait till January to make a change? I really don't. Think yeah, so. the, the the carousel moves much quicker now. Yeah, uh, so. different deal than when Jan- Dana Holgerson left. So, um, <laughs> which was also you know end of December. But um, all right, that's what I've got. Those those are my treats to finish. Um, should we get into Texas A and M? Let's talk Texas A and M. So today wrote column on theathletic.com uh, talking about myriad issues that Texas A&M has. But really this this idea is a lot of people have called for Connor Wegman, the five-star recruit, true freshman quarterback to play. And I get it. They've struggled at quarterback. They, you know, Haynes King has been very up and down. Max Johnson, of course, you know, came in after he King was benched in week two, but then he struggled a little bit too. Then he got hurt. They got hurt. Uh, yep. And so he's been out with a hand injury. So it's basically King or Wegman. And I understand it. I think this is a this is a right time. You you're three and four, you're out of the SEC West race. It's a right time to play your five star freshman and get a look at what you have. But my question is, how much of a difference will that really make at this point? Max, you went over the numbers in your Saturday Saturday takeaways. They've averaged eighteen point two points per game against FBS competition this year. 12 touchdowns on 73 offensive drives against FBS competition. They're scoring on only 27.4% of drives. Which is in the bottom 30 nationally in that. Bottom 30, yeah. Will making a quarterback change make that much of a difference at this point for the Aggies? And we're going – we're not going red true freshman here. We're going true freshman. That's true freshman, yeah. Yeah, Connor's Connor's true freshman. He was at Bridgeland High about 10 months ago. I think – so, so like, it, it's it's a really interesting dilemma here because I certainly understand if you watch the South Carolina game and you're really you're an AM fan and you're really frustrated coming out of that game, um, and now these losses are mounting. I definitely understand the thinking of, all right, we need to invest in in Wegman in Wigman the rest of the way and find out what he is. And find out. Well, I mean, literally, do we need to pick up a quarterback this offseason, right? I mean, literally, if you, I mean, they've got three guys, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm definitely not saying that. But like, in terms of the plan going forward, you got to figure out who you're walking out of this season with, as as you, in terms of QB one, right? I mean, obviously, there will be a competition, but um, you're gonna like the way things are now, like you got to have a sense of what's going on here because like, why wouldn't Haynes King leave? Right. No, that makes sense. And like, you got to figure out who you want to hold on to in this whole deal. By the way, they do not have a 2023 quarterback commit right now. They do not. So you're going to have to flip Austin Novosad from, from Baylor. Um, They obviously had Eli Holstein committed and now he's going to Alabama. Um, I'm not saying none of these guys are the answer. That's not what I'm saying. They tried. They tried to kick the tires on Malachi Malachi Nelson. They did. They brought in Malachi Nelson for a visit. That's right. I forgot about that. But uh, it looks like that's not going anywhere at this point. So I, but so I definitely understand the thinking of we need to invest in in Wigman the rest of the way here, 
and hopefully he shows some really promising signs. Um, but as you, you did a great job of, of walking through in the, in the piece today, Sam, not only is Jimbo's offense really complicated and is going to need to be um, really – they have to rethink some things to highlight what Connor Wigman can do, I would think. Um, the, the, the structural issues of this offense around Connor Wigman are going to make it difficult for him to play his best football as a true freshman. This is not the most compelling audio you're going to get, but I'm going to read off a few stats for you. Texas A&M allows their quarterbacks to be pressured 45% of the time, which is the highest rate in the country. The national average is 30.5. The highest. That's the highest. The three highest pressure rates allowed by an FBS team this year have been A&M against Alabama, Miami, and South Carolina. They allow 50, 52% pressure against Alabama, Miami, 50% pressure against South Carolina. Let me get Here's the one that really threw me yesterday. When I asked, as Jason Starrett, uh, one of our editors, trusty uh, stat database guru, mm-hmm. threw this at me. On dropbacks in which Texas A&M has had more blockers than pass rushers, so that means, say, we've got six blockers versus five pass rushers, they still allowed pressure 41.2% of the time, <laughs> which is the worst. Mm-hmm. The only team in the country that's worse when having the same or fewer blockers than rushers is New Mexico. So everybody in the country is better with the same, except for New Mexico, is better with the same or fewer blockers at a disadvantage than A&M is when A&M has more blockers than pass rushers. And boy, that is a problem. Now, I know they've got injuries. Like Bryce mm-hmm. Foster's out for the year. Aki Ogbenyi is out for the year. Moko's out for the year. So they've got they've got issues Yeah, up there. But, but Sam, that doesn't just suggest that, um, that doesn't just suggest that they are having a hard time protecting their quarterback. It also doesn't it also suggest that everyone else has figured out we should just pressure the shit out of them? <laughs> like doesn't mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. tell you that the book is out now that you should you should bring pressure and you're going to get home and disrupt whoever's behind behind them at quarterback? Well, and and you may not even have to blitz at this point because it, when you look at when you look at these numbers, you you can probably just get it with four, and they're having right. all kinds of other issues. They've got right. snap issues right now. There was a snap that went off of Haynes King's leg. That turned into a fumble. That they was had unbelievable. Eight false starts. Yeah. yeah, they had eight false starts against South Carolina, and so I, that's why I brought up the, the question about Wegman. Is okay, you run Wegman out there, but this is what he's got in front of him right now is a mess from mm-hmm. a protection standpoint. Mm-hmm. So how much does that really help? The other question I have is, and I asked this to Jimbo Fisher on Wednesday was. They had a really good one-two punch at running back, and that's one thing they have done well up front is they have their their run blocking uh, metrics are pretty good. They're pretty good better, in yards. Before certainly contact. better they're than up, their worst in the country pass protection. Right, yes. right. They're uh, they're upper half of the country in uh, yards before contact per rush, and Devon A. Chain obviously is an elite elite back. But they had a one-two punch with Isaiah Spiller and Devon A. Chain the last two years, and they haven't really had that this year. L.J. Johnson, who was a high four star. Le'Veon Moss, who was a high four-star, Amari Daniels, who was a, a four-star, have 17 total rushes combined this year and 33 total snaps played this year. So they have built the whole running game out of Devon A-Chain. And I mm-hmm. asked Chimbo about that. I was like, you guys don't have that one-two punch. How much does that hurt? And he, says, he said, I know it sounds crazy, but I really do love all four of our backs. And I was like, you know what? It does sound crazy because you haven't played the other ones. <laughs> 
And I saw Le'Veon Moss get two cat carries on Saturday against South Carolina. I thought to myself, why haven't they given that guy the ball boy? He was a top 100 national recruit. And mm-hmm. he looked like he looks the part as a as a back, explosive, fast, uh, you know, physical. Well, just give that guy the ball. Just and not to say that you need to take H off the field a lot, but but man, right? Utilize your weapons. You've got a ton of talent. Use I'll, it. I'll, also, like by, by the way, that that's that's why guys leave too. Is when you're just yeah. not playing them for for no reason. Yeah, and so. That, that's that's part of the issue is not utilizing the talent you have in the way you should, and then you got a game where against against uh, South Carolina, you're throwing it 47 times. Mm-hmm. Why are we throwing like when you got all those backs and you have all these pass protection issues? Why are we throwing the ball 47? I, I granted I understand they were down seventeen nothing, but they mm-hmm. they got back in mm-hmm. that game by halftime. They did. So there's no reason that you need to be throwing a ton when you're down seventeen fourteen at halftime. Do you, you do you think the run game? Do you think that a lot of this goes back to the absence of a nice Smith? Just just sort of uh, creates a lot more glaring issues. Yeah, and, and I'm not he saying was, their receiving group is not good, not talented. It's super talented, but they're young. They're all freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Anaya Smith, I mean, Chase Lane is a senior, but he's not a major contributor at this point. But Anaya Smith was that reliable guy. He's the guy you could go to on third down. He's the guy you could just figure out a way to get the ball to on a swing pass or uh, a quick crossing route. You could put him in the backfield if you wanted to. Uh but he he was so valuable and losing him I when they lost him against Arkansas for the season with that leg injury I knew that was trouble because he has touched the ball I think more than 100 times a year uh the last 3 years I think I had it in here uh he's he's touched the ball 189 times as a rusher receiver or return specialist average of 63 touches per season and 825 all purpose yards per season the last 3 years that's a lot to lose, and he's also mm-hmm. a leader. He's also, mm-hmm. you know, yep. one of those big locker room guys. So that's been a tough loss for them. There's without question. But now, speaking of locker room leadership, Sam, <laughs> Texas A&M obviously has some some key, you know, some some on field issues offensively that they're trying to work through here for Ole Miss and the rest of the way. Um, you reported on this week uh, the. Incident that happened in South Carolina. Um, Texas A&M has suspended uh, three members of their 2022 recruiting class, their number one ranked recruiting class. Uh, two of those guys are being suspended for a second time this season. What What is going on with this, with the, the highest ranked recruiting class of all time? Yeah, it certainly brings some question as to how many of those guys are really bought in. You know, because... These suspensions and things like this happen everywhere with every program, but when you are losing and the wheels seem to be falling off the program, mm-hmm. it becomes magnified. And so that's what happens in this case is uh, – and you've got, again, highly touted freshmen that were part of a historic class that are part of this t- – that's supposed to be the group that brings you to a college football playoff, brings you to an SEC championship, puts yep. you in that next stratosphere. So when you have that happening and you have a couple guys who've already been suspended, Denver Harris and Chris Marshall, who were, again, Harris was a five-star. Marshall, I believe, was a five-star as well. 
It's not not a good sign. You had they have had some guys in that group in that class. They've been active on social media the last couple of days with them some positive reactions saying, "Hey, we're still on board. Uh, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're we're committed to this this thing." But I think that's why it makes it so important if you're Texas A&M that you've got to get some wins down the stretch. You probably got to get to a bowl game. You need to win some games down the stretch because if you don't and you keep struggling, then the wheels do really, really do come all the way off, and, and you're in trouble. So that this weekend, this weekend against Ole Miss, I think it's asking a lot for them to win that game, but I think it is so critical because of this program and where they are at this juncture in the season. It is so critical that they have something positive to take away from this weekend if they're going to hold yeah. this thing together. If you're if you're if the losing streak's going to hit four games, you have to be able to walk out of that game not with not with 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 the wheels having not completely coming off, right? Right. Right. And so it's going to be really interesting this next few and I I said this earlier this week. These next few weeks and months are going to be maybe the most important in Texas A&M football in quite some time. Because how they finish the season what happens with the roster after the season and what happens with Jimbo Fisher and the coaching staff. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean in terms of Fisher, like Fisher's not going anywhere. He's, he's screwed. But in terms of, does he look in the mirror and say, I need to make some changes to this offense. I need to hire somebody to help me run this offense or to modernize this offense or to tweak this offense, to make it to where it doesn't look so damn hard to score points like it does right now. Cause it looks pretty hard. And that that's going to require some introspection. That I mean, I don't know if he has it or not. We'll find out. Right? Yeah. I, I know. Like, I think you and I discussed this before. It's not like he doesn't want to win. I'm sure he wants to win. But it's it's difficult when you believe you are the solution, but you also are part of the problem. So he's got to figure that out. And and that's why these next, like I said, next few weeks and months are going to be so critical for the future of this program. Uh, and the the decisions that are made, the, the the results that happen on the field, the results that happen in the on the roster, and the decisions that are made by him after the season are going to chart the course for what this program is the next few years. I, I think there's a little stretch on the schedule here where you have a chance. I think Florida, Auburn, UMass, like a chance to rip off some wins and kind of settle things down and kind of remind everyone, like, okay, it's never as good or as bad as it looks, right? Like, you, you have some games coming up here where maybe you can kind of steady things a little bit. Um, and, and certainly you got to win those three to get to a bowl game, right? Um, otherwise, you got to pull an upset um, either this week against Ole Miss or, or LSU at the end of the regular season. Um, the, the, the introspection and the, the Jimbo Fisher, like – sort of how does he respond to this season no matter what it ends up looking like um it's going to be it's it's going to be one of the stories of the of the whole offseason in college football i because i don't think like sam let's say jimbo fisher's buyout was 20 million instead of 1 billion dollars or whatever it is um it's pretty close to a billion dollars isn't it <laughs> so um let's say over like 20 million okay like there's probably not is there a record this year that would get him fired at AM if it were a reasonable buyout? Like, I'm, I don't really think so. That's a great question. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that this morning because I think of coaches who have had bad seasons and then had a chance to turn it around. I think of what didn't Brian Kelly go four and eight in Notre yeah. Dame? Yeah. And then got a chance to turn around, then did turn it around and got them back to the playoff. 
And the question, I guess, the question. Okay, is, let me say. Is, let's does say he deserve that. Let's say A and M goes five and seven. Okay, let's just say A and M goes five and seven, which I don't think will happen. But you can't say it's impossible. Okay, if it were a reasonable buyout, do you think people would be ready to move on, or do you think? Because to me, uh, up until these past few weeks, it doesn't really seem like any. I think we're starting to see some cracks in terms of the A&M fan base's belief that Jimbo Fisher is one of the best coaches in college football, right? Up, going into the season, I, I think it was pretty, the approval rating was extremely high. Um, and I don't, I don't know that he could blow that whole thing in one season. I don't think it's just solely tied to the record. I don't okay. think it's just five and seven. It's, it's what's the happens. rest of the dysfunction. Right. It's, it's okay. Like it gets what happens on the roster and also what happens in recruiting because yeah. Jimbo Fisher's calling card is recruiting. Yeah. And so can you keep this 2022 class together? If you can, then yeah, then I think you, you deserve a chance to, to see it through and you could deserve a chance to fix the problem. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, and then if you do that and then the results don't change, then, then you have to have the, a, a serious conversation about moving about making a change again, all hypothetical, like I said, in, in the world that the right buyout would be much more, more reasonable. But, but to me, it's not just as cut and dried as the record. Uh, I think a lot. I think a lot of times it's it's the other stuff that there, there's a lot of pieces it. to losing faith in Jimbo Fisher. Right, right. It's not it's not just the record. I, I think, like I said, I think probably recruiting is the number one bit. But ultimately, it's I look at this off season as okay. What are you going to do this off season? What changes are you going to make? Because. If it's if we're doing the same thing next year, then the result ain't going to change very much. I don't think. I I think that they obviously can do the exact same thing that Ryan did Ryan Day did last offseason, where you can go in, you can say, all right, we got a problem here. For Ohio State last year was their defense, and you go out and you hire who you think is the best out there, and you pay him a lot of money. It doesn't matter how happy they are where they are. You pay him a lot of money. In that case, that was Jim Knowles. I think like AM can do the same thing. Like I think they can go out and get one of the most expensive and coveted and respected offensive coaches in the country, whatever they think that needs to be to win in the SEC, right? I think they totally can do that if Jimbo Fisher's on board with that. It's easy. I mean, the resources are never a problem in Texas. Either. No, they got no. money. <laughs> now, he's got to be willing to stay out of that guy's ear, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the headset and. All, all day long, every day. You know what I mean? He's got to be willing to step aside a little bit um, and let that person, whoever they are, do their thing. And that's going to be difficult for him because it always is for these coaches. But He won a national championship running an offense. Sure. You know, in 2013. So yeah. to him, it's like I made my career being this guy. And so now people are going to ask me to not be this guy, to not be the guy running the offense, not be the guy calling the plays. That's – I'm not going to act like that's easy. It's it's not. But that's why you get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. All right. I have like the hottest take of the entire podcast here. Probably <laughs> the hottest take of the entire podcast feed this week. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. At the end of this season, do you think A&M fans – would trade Jimbo Fisher for Urban Meyer. <laughs> Could Urban yes. Meyer be the guy that fixes all this? Yes, they would. Yeah, I think they would. 
Uh, the the like way if, the let, mood let me, today. Let me, let me say it this way: if 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 they put the money together, which I'm not going to put it past A and M folks to find the money, right? If they decided that they could afford to move on from Jimbo Fisher, and if they felt we have a window of opportunity here to go win a national championship, if we can hold the roster together, obviously. Like, do you think? Like, I feel like you can't put it past A&M to call Urban Meyer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have we, haven't we done this before with Texas? <laughs> we have, yes. Quite uh, similar I remember, I remember. I remember this happening a couple years ago with Texas. And, and if you're Urban Meyer, there's a very small list of jobs that you would take. There's not a more ready-made job out there. You're talking about, you're talking about Nebraska and Auburn and Arizona State. I mean, compared to A&M? I mean, come on. There's not a more yeah. ready-made job for instant success in A&M right now true but yeah w- w- if they finish five and would seven win a national championship there but I can see people five and seven into them walking if they finish five and seven and, yeah yeah if they finish five and seven I could see themselves talking themselves into that for sure uh because that right now the mood is just not very good mm-hmm. but do you know how much money that would require? Because not only do you have to buy Jimbo out, but then you also have to pay an Urban Meyer contract, which probably is. It a probably looks ilk. about the same as a Jimbo Fisher so, contract. <laughs> we're talking like it, we're tired look at looking at the entire year of the Texas A&M athletic budget, essentially. You know, yeah, it's that's that's a lot of money. So uh, let's let's not do that. We don't need Urban Meyer back in college football. He can stay doing TV. <laughs> we don't need all that right now. There you go. That's my that's my scalding hot take. Not a prediction. But what if what if Urban Meyer was the answer at AM? I I got I'll, I'll throw a different one at you. And Andy broached this in his call or his dear Andy mailbag on Thursday at theathletic.com. If you go and hire an offensive coordinator Jimbo Fisher how would AM fans feel if it was Tom Herman? <laughs> you know, um, it would, that would be really interesting. He won a national championship as an offensive coordinator. I'll tell you this from talking to, to Sam Ellinger and covering those guys and the, during their careers, like they, they'll tell you it was a very complicated offense. Um, and, and you've got to, but, I, but certainly at Ohio state um, and at, at you know, on its best days at Texas is the kind of offense that, that A&M would want. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's true. That would be, I mean, look, Gary Patterson works at Texas right now. So like, can we really say Tom Herman would never work at A&M? True. No, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I, that would be, that would be wild though. I mean, that would I will, just be I will tell you if I, I mean, if talk I about Jimbo the approval sure. rating of the coach coming into the, into the job. It would be, <laughs> you would have to earn some trust from Aggie fans. Or is that how, is that the fan mentality that as soon as you hire Tom Herman and you're like, Oh, this dude's, would they instantly be like, this dude's unbelievable. We have the best. Or in the country. It, it's, it's more, it's more of deference to the coach. If Jimbo Fisher believes it's the right move, mm-hmm. then we're going to trust him to believe that it's the right move that, and we're gonna we're gonna ride it until he proves us otherwise. If I I would say this, if I were Jimbo Fisher and I had my pick of guys to go install an offense, and I don't think this guy's attainable because I think his next stop is going to be a head coach. I don't think he's going to take a coordinator job before he becomes a head coach. But I would pick Jeff Grimes at Baylor. That's the guy who I would want to come install my offense because mm-hmm. what he's done at Baylor has been pretty impressive, especially given that they we talk about all the protection issues 
uh, and O-line issues that A&M has had. Baylor had a lot of that in 2020. And Grimes has an O-line background, but very heavy uh, in, in wide zone and, and running I, I, a lot of I stretch. I liked and... Andy floating the Hugh Freeze idea, too. I thought that was that was, um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, and, and certainly that that's a whole discussion that would be interesting just philosophically. You know, do you want to go down the um, – you know, like the, the, the Jeff Levy, Kendall Bryles type of type of route, right? Do you want to go with, you know, a, a, like Grimes, like the, a guy like that who's doing something really different? I mean, kind of what, what does A&M need to be uh, to win the West is, is itself a, a really interesting conversation. Yeah, there, there's no short of options. Like you said, they got money. And, so. you know, like who knows where Bill O'Brien is next year, right? Like is Alabama looking for somebody too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna be in the mix competing against them. Yeah, you wonder who else are they up against in terms of trying to trying to go get uh, a big time OC. But uh, interesting conversation if Jimbo Fisher is willing to have it. Yes, and we'll we'll find out in a, about a month probably, a little bit more than a month. So he he might just say I'm handing this thing over to James Coley and everyone can deal with it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Oh boy, it's gonna be interesting to see. Let's get to low key game of the week. What you got? So we got some options. I like personally. I like the Butt Bowl. Obviously, Baylor, Baylor, and Texas Tech. I also am calling it the Matt Rule Bowl because, of course, Matt Rule was former coach at Baylor, but also is tight with Joey McGuire, new Texas mm-hmm. Tech coach. It spoke at the Texas Tech uh, high school coaches clinic this spring. So uh, a lot of ties there between Rule, but Baylor, Texas Tech, Miranda versus McGuire. I'm guessing both sides have circled this one for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think and it's we're not be playing at a neutral site, which I love. Yeah, they moved it off of AT&T Stadium, which I think is a good, good yeah. move, getting it back to home and home. It's going to be a, a, at the Jones in Lubbock Saturday night. It's going to be sold out. So you know how those go. It's going to be very, very interesting. But my to Baylor, Texas Tech, like I said, I just like the name, the Butt Bowl. The Butt mm-hmm. Bowl of BU versus TT is, uh, is, is my low-key game Man. of the week. Sold, sold out night game in Lubbock. Yeah, you you better be ready for it. It's gonna be, <laughs> the, as you said earlier in the pod, the vibes are good. Um, lots of other good games to shout out this weekend. Um, you mentioned you, you on the on the dock here. You got Cincinnati UCF. That's a that's a good Big Twelve preview game for sure. I'm gonna go with a game that is so bad that it might be entertaining to watch. Okay, so you know every week we do the stop rate, um, you know stop rate standings update on Wednesdays of the Athletic. And, you know, it's, it's, it's often interesting to look at who's at the top, who, you know, who's, who's really rising up and playing the best defense in the country. I'm always keeping an eye on who's at the bottom of the top rate standings. And this week <laughs> we've got, this week we've got a showdown between Colorado, who's number 126, mm. and Arizona State, uh, who's number 130 in stop rate. Uh, both coaches have been fired. Um, and... <laughs> You know what? I mean, nothing to lose for both sides, right? The over/under on this game cracked me up. It's forty-six and a half. I feel like that's an easy over because these defenses are so horrible. Um, so that's we'll see. I think it's going to be. I think Colorado Arizona State. I'm not telling you don't watch other games to watch that game, but could be fun. Call Ari on that one. Ari's always looking for right bets. This He's is a good one for him. For Tell him to take the over on Colorado Arizona that's State. Right. So watch that game. You know, watch that game between two. Obviously, two future Big Twelve members. I'm kidding. Um, that's uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be potentially really bad football, and uh, it could be low key funny to watch. 
I put one on that I said so low key it's underground. It, it I would imagine I haven't seen you follow Sicko's committee on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. I I, I, think so. I haven't seen their list of games of the week, but I have to think this is probably the number one Sicko's game of the week is two and five New Mexico State at one and six UMass. Mm, I like that. Two two independents who are combined three and eleven this season, and uh, that that one that one is just that one's like hey, if you just got to watch some football, there's college football right there. <laughs> it's 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 on. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> that is. Uh, we we got Don Brown against Jerry Kill. I mean, what a what a great <laughs> year one coaching showdown right there. Yes, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I am I am definitely going to tune in, and some of you guys may listen to this on Friday, but on Thursday night, the Pac-12 after dark on Thursday night, Utah and Washington State get to see our boy Cam Ward. So I'm excited for that. Let's see if they can put something together here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, North Texas Western Kentucky is going to be interesting too. North Texas and UTSA had a uh, very intense game last week, and that game was uh, not low key last week, Sam. That was not low key, but it lived up to the billing, did it not? Sure did. did. I, yeah. That did not Good disappoint. Uh, Frank Harris and UTSA getting it done at the end. So, uh, but but that that's a key one in the conference USA race. So. Uh, so lots of good stuff for you this week in week nine. We're almost in November. We're about to be in the last month of the season. So for sure, we're almost at the end. Let's do a run your pool update. Andy Staple Show pick and pool on runyourpool.com. Uh, bad news, Max. I did not pick a game last week because I forgot to put them in. So I was zero and zero last week. So it was one of those weeks for me where I was so busy and I just forgot. I didn't realize until about Tuesday or Wednesday of this week that I was like, oh man, I didn't pick any games last week. <laughs> you didn't realize it until many days later. That's right. So oh, now geez. I'm way behind you by nine games. You had a rough week, 10 and 13. So not oh, great. Oh, screw you, man. You didn't do anything. You can't critique my no, week. But 159, <laughs> 144. So look, I didn't pick any. I didn't get any points, but I am only nine picks behind you. So I'm going to look at this as a personal challenge the rest of the year. Can I outdo you enough to catch up and surpass you by the end of the year, even What's- without getting any picks in weeks yeah not not skipping an entire week is uh that's it, a bold strategy cotton we'll see how that pays off <laughs> yeah it was not intentional but I, I, weirdly uh, although i'm not like thrilled with how my october's going in terms of picks i think I, I am in the top 50 in the pool and uh i think ahead of all of our coworkers. so i think people are just uh I don't know. Maybe people have been a little more leisurely about actually putting their picks in this season. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe uh, the leader I think is Cade Club Nick fan account, which is my l- my most favorite name in yep. this thing. Yep. Uh, especially after we saw Cade Cl- Club Nick last week uh, in the game. But yeah, I got. I'll, I will promise. Actually, what I'll do is after we sign off here and close the pod out, I'm going to go in and do my picks so that I don't have that problem again next week so I can try to catch up to you now. I said them yesterday, and I'm probably going to forget to, to update them. I probably should should update them on Saturday before they lock. But, yeah, we'll see. Ho- hopefully you guys are having fun doing that. Yeah, yeah, likewise. So I'll have fun at the wedding. Have fun in Nashville. Go eat some hot chicken for me. And uh, enjoy your weekend off in the middle of college football season senior college football writer max olson <laughs> just maniacal laugh thanks man H- hope you have a fun weekend too and uh, and thanks everyone for listening thanks everyone for listening and make sure you follow the andy staple show and friends feed on apple Podcasts. you can also subscribe to the andy staple show on youtube andy and ari watchman regularly do their show live from there special guest interviews can be found there a bunch of our interviews that we've done in the past with 
Deuce Vaughn and Max Duggan and Neil Brown and all the others that we've done this year. You can find them on that YouTube channel, Andy Staple Show on YouTube. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank you.